This is Speaking with the Enemy on the Tie Cats Audio Network. Here is Louis Butko. Yes, the show is Speaking with the Enemy. The Enemy this week is the Enemy next week. Uh, of course, the East semifinal set to take place in Montreal uh, one week from Saturday. But before that, uh, we do have to get through the final regular season game and discuss that. We bring in TSN 690's Sean Campbell. And uh, Sean, um, I, I don't want to use the word meaningless, um, but this is about as close to an exhibition game as you can get during the regular season, is it not? Uh, I used the term meaningless when I was uh, hosting the Owls this week. This week, I said, yeah, get ready for the meaningless game. And um, it, it's interesting because it's the exact same teams a week apart in a game that means something versus a game that doesn't mean something. I have no idea what to expect, who's going to play, because I think it's important. You know, the Owls are coming off a bye week. The Ticats are trying to get their quarterbacks rolling. I don't know who's going to play and how how long and you don't want to risk injury because if someone injures somebody, it directly impacts the game next week. And I'm not saying that the owls are going to go and target some of Hamilton's best players or Hamilton's going to target some of Montreal's best players. But the idea of going after and finishing a hit for an extra 15 yards, like what do these players care in the end? As long as you do it to a level that you're not going to get suspended again, I'm not saying no one's trying to hurt anybody, but if you can make them a little bit more sore for the next week, I, that's honestly the only thing I'll maybe be looking at because the score doesn't matter, who plays doesn't matter, but you can't just dress an entire team of you know 45 guys of backups. You just can't. So, man, this, this weekend as, for a meaningless game, which I've called it, is still interesting. I, I mean, because it's a chess match, right? It's it's who do you play? When do you play them? How much do you show? Like, what's your playbook look like? Uh, what's your scripting look like? Are you trying to play that reverse mind game? Like, it, it, like you said, there's there's so many levels to this. And I've been on a couple of shows this week, and pe- this conversation has come up. And it's I'm so glad I'm not the one who has to make the decisions on who to play because there are some very difficult decisions that coaches are going to have to make this week. Yeah, I, I find that might be a little bit tougher for the Ticats than the Owls. I think the Owls getting away from their playbook, that's fine. Like, they're going to probably not throw anything that they're going to do in a week away. They're not going to test anything. They're not going to play anything. I see the Owls playing the most simple football game ever. That's what I see from the Owls. For the Ticats, just because of the injuries and they're trying to develop chemistry and, you know, even Bo Levi Mitchell is not just exactly where you guys probably want them. And again, I don't want to speak for the Ticats, but I've been watching their games down the stretch and Matthew Schultz has looked pretty good, but not perfect. I think that it's more important for them to get on the same page with the receiving core, with the running back, with whatever scheme that they want limited that you can't show it. So I think it's a little tougher question for the Ticats than the Owls. I think the Owls are on a four game win streak. They're comfortable with their defense. They're comfortable with their, uh, you know, with their with their offense to an extent. Of course, there are some issues with the offense, but I, I think that the Owls are just going to play a simple football game, uh, straightforward, but the Ticats might want to test a few things. That That's kind of the way I look at it from my point of view heading into this game. So a 42 to 12 Ticats victory would not shock you. And, and again, to the point of it being meaningless, would, would not mean anything. No, I don't think it would mean it. I wouldn't read into anything of that. Um, I could see a game where the Owls just don't blitz 
at all. Like they'll just like, no, we're not blitzing today. We're just going to rush four every time. We'll play our players. We'll line up and our men will do man or zone. Like that's I, defensively. I could see that happening. The owls. I could just see run on first down, a slant on second down, run on first down, a slant pass on second. Like I could totally see that game happening for the F. Now, again, I'm not in the head of Jason Moss. I'm not in the head of a Noel Thorpe. I don't know what they want to do, but if I were in charge for the Owls, I would play the most basic football game, make sure my players get out healthy. Um, overall, you mentioned the, the four-game winning streak to end the season. Um, overall, it was a pretty good year for the Alouettes, was it not? I, I think it was. The Owls, as, as a whole, they lost to three teams this year. And we can sit here and say, who are the th- three best teams in the CFL? It's Toronto, Winnipeg. And BC, the Owls beat everybody else. It's very obvious that to me that the Owls are the fourth best team in the CFL, but there's a, there's a level there. There's a line and the Owls have not proven that they're in that upper echelon of top three teams, everybody else they've beaten everybody else. I think that, you know, if you're talking defenses, you could talk about a premier defense when they're healthy. That's what the Owls have offensively. That's clearly not the case, but in my mind, uh, the Owls had a good season. They're, they're not having another 500 season. Everybody had them at eighth or ninth in the league, and they ended up second in their division. All these teams that they were going to battle with, they beat them out. All the teams that everybody thought was better than them were better than them. But overall, you're seeing at 10 and seven, and with a chance to go 11 and seven, you're hosting a playoff game. That's a successful year. But the success for them is getting to the Grey Cup and beating Ty Cats is step number one. You can't overlook the Thai Cats because they're coming on strong at the end of the season. Toronto, going into Toronto, is going to be really tough. The Owls have played them tough two out of three games this year, losing on a block kick and then a pass in the end zone. That's it. They're one of the only teams that have really limited them with their defense when they were healthy. The time they got beat up by Toronto, their defense was in shambles by injuries. But when the Owls' defense was healthy, A.J. Olette couldn't do anything. Chad Kelly struggled a little bit. So I'm really looking to forward to an East final between those two teams, but I can't look forward to it because I know the Ticats are going to be hard out. I mean, it, it, uh, it still feels like we're setting up next week's game. Uh, we are still talking about uh, a regular season finale, which again makes this game for the players, which makes this game for the coaches um, that, that much more. I, I don't even know the word for it, man. It, I, it's, it's really one of those situations where I'm just glad I'm not the one making the decisions on the playbook. Um, the team awards out uh, this today across the CFL. Uh, your thoughts on, on the Alouettes award winners. Yeah. So the Alouettes uh, put that out uh, today and I know you, you see it going across who else from everybody else uh, for the Owls. I, I, I kind of like the choices that they made Austin Mack for their most outstanding player. I think that's a good choice. He could have easily been their rookie as well, but let me get into the rookie. Cause I think that he has a really good chance. He's been outstanding. Uh, you have your uh, defensive player, Tyrese Beverett, which I think that uh, Ticats fans know quite well. He's really come to his own with the Owls. I don't know if he's going to win this award because there was too much sharing on that defense. Uh, the season that Sean Lemon had, the season that Mustafa Johnson had, uh, the season that uh, Marc-Antoine Duquois had. I feel like Beverett's the representative of the defense of a whole. 
And I think individually, he probably doesn't have enough to go out and win that award. But I love that he's getting the acknowledgement because he was their, their, their rock in the middle. Uh, Marc Antoine Ducroix, I think, has a really good chance of winning top Canadian. He's had an outstanding season at safety. A couple touchdowns. He, has, he had a third touchdown taken back on a, on a very chintzy call against BC on the road. Uh, one of the first plays of the game, he had a pick six, and they called uh, legal contact. It was, it was kind of right there, borderline. Uh, so I think he has a good chance. The uh, other one, the most outstanding lineman, Pierre-Olivier Lesage. I don't think you're going to get linemen out of the owls. Punter, kind of, that was a fail safe. Joe Zeman's had a great year, but uh, the injury to Worthy kind of probably took him out of that. Uh, but uh, the other one that I, I got to bring up is the rookie of the year, Reggie Stubblefield, a player that not many people know about. He didn't start as a starter. He came in first game after an injury. He had to play cornerback. Then he played halfback. Now he's over on the uh, strong side linebacker, kind of uh, filling that, that spot that Chip Cox did for so many years with the Owls. And wherever he went, he was effective. He was dangerous. And I don't know if many people know about him. I think he has a good chance for winning Rookie of the Year. I think if Austin Mack was Rookie of the Year, he would have won it. And I don't think he's going to win most outstanding player, but Re- because Austin Mack has that power of being the receiver and everybody sees him and saw what he can do. But Reggie Stubblefield, I think has a really good chance of winning the uh, rookie of the year because of how good he was this year. Uh, kind of really an unknown coming out of college and just adapting to the CFL game so well in that North Thorpe defense, which is not easy to do. So uh, I think their best chances for winning awards are Duquois and Stubblefield. Other than that, some good nominees. I, I'm not going to argue with any of the choices that the Owls made. Uh, Sean, uh, we, we managed to, uh, to put together a, a little episode on a game that you and I both agree uh, is meaningless, and I think that is an accomplishment for ourselves. Uh, thank you so much for doing this, man. I really appreciate it, and uh, I guess we'll, we'll, hopefully we'll talk next week. Yeah, we'll do it again. Why not? With a game that actually matters, and hopefully we will not be talking about how someone injured somebody else on purpose, and there should be re- – I, I just want to clean – let's have some fun go down the wire a kick to win it a kick return i don't care who wins i i'm in the booth for every game every time i come out of a game i say can I, can we just have some fun and there's been some great games this year and the tie cats and owls always uh are able to perform so we got back to back let's do this uh, give me a game winning rouge how about that uh just classic cfl to hey, wrap up the regular some- season Punting out of the end zone, trying to get it back, have the punter on the kick return, you know, have have these crazy just one and we punts. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm down. Let's let's do it. Let's do something Canadian football. Sean, as I mentioned, appreciate it. Thanks so much for doing this. That is Sean Campbell from TSN 690 in Montreal. This has been Speaking with the Enemy. Uh, make sure to like and subscribe to the Tiger Cats Audio Network. I'm Louis Bucko. Have a great day.